and welcome to Strange New Takes. I'm your host, Nash Karnik, and with me, sitting solemnly in Alex Kurtzman's office, is... Bill Hoybod. Welcome to Strange New Takes, your chosen Star Trek podcast of choice. I know I use this word choice there twice, <laughs> but it just signifies just how much of a choice it is for you to listen to us, and we appreciate you being here. Today, we'll be conducting a five-year performance review for the head of Star Trek and Secret Hideout founder, Alex Kurtzman. Uh... I don't think, do you think he gets a performance review from anywhere else, Bill? Maybe Sherry Redstone, yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, uh, Sherry delegated that task to us this time. So, uh, Sherry, take the day <laughs> off. Enjoy yourself. Uh, you know, I'm sure you have fun things you can do. Alex, let's get down to it. But before we do, Bill has a couple of things to share. Uh, well, make sure to follow us on social media at Strange New Takes on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And always tell your friends to listen to the podcast. Uh, Alex, for you, that would mean all of your other showrunners. Uh, and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. We'd really appreciate showing you up just a little bit higher on podcast search lists, and your five-star rating helps us do that. Okay, and, and it would probably be prudent to do a quick spoiler warning. We're not going to be discussing a specific episode today, but we probably are going to touch on some plot points from throughout um, the entire Star Trek canon, so watch out for that. <clears throat> And I believe recently someone on Reddit calculated it would take you 15 years if you watch an episode of Star Trek a day. So get started because you're not going to listen to this episode until you finish all of Star Trek. So, uh, <laughs> all right. Well, Bill, um, I know this performance review was your idea and you really came up with some structure for us. So I'm just going to hand it off to you and you can kind of take the two of us through uh, this episode of the pod. Yeah, awesome. Thank you, Notch. Um, so yeah, I just thought it would be a fun way to kind of structure a really big picture holistic analysis of kind of what's happened with Star Trek over the past five years. And I want to approach this in like a really good faith way. I'm not trying to just um, <laughs> just uh, like, you know, give give Alex Kurtzman a hard time. I think, um, you know, Star Trek fans can really be brutal. Honestly, I think it's not like a lot of the criticisms can often not be fair, but um you know, at the same time, I know that the, the shows have had successes and, and um, some challenges, too. So just want to take some time to reflect and, and do a kind of holistic assessment of what's been good, what's what's worked well, what hasn't, etc. Uh, so the first segment uh, that we're going to do is is literally the performance review system that my company uses. <laughs> and and it's called Start, Stop, Continue. So you know what are what are some things that you could start doing alex that might uh be beneficial what are some things that you should probably stop doing and what are some things that you should continue that are that have been working well um so my start is that i think uh it's you know about time to have some more uh crossovers uh, between shows and some more universe building um, I know that from like a business perspective, the specter of Marvel looms large and I'm sure comes up a lot like, you know, in kind of high level meetings with with Kurtzman and executives at CBS Paramount. Um, and I think there are some um, lessons from Star Trek or, or from Marvel rather that can be adapted to Star Trek and work. And there are some things that definitely should not be. And I think this is one, you know, this is... Uh, a healthy element from Marvel and it just makes it feel kind of more expansive and it also rewards fans for like taking it all in 
you know, if it, it's kind of knit together into a broader picture. Um, now it's, there's kind of a delicate balance because you don't want it, you don't want to have small world syndrome or like, I think Spock has enough relatives at this point. Let's not, you know, not do it. <laughs> um, I had so, this anyway, so, cousin twice removed that I was not aware of. What? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Bill. Sorry, it's please Counselor Troy. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, okay. My stop is I'm, this is a kind of natural segue. Is stop trying to be Marvel. Um, I think it, Star Trek has a different audience, right? Just inherently, um, I think it, it's a little bit more mature and needs to be. And um, I would really resist the temptation to try to copy paste the success that Marvel has had with its franchise. I think the formula needs to be different. My continue is continue experimenting. I think this is from like a, uh, not a creative perspective, but like a managerial perspective. I think this is something that Kurtzman has really, um, really gotten right. And that's to kind of give the showrunners a wide pasture room to experiment, just try different things. And of course, not, not all of them are going to work, but, um, and, and when that happens, the shows should probably not get renewed. <laughs> um, but, you know, that just ensures that there's a, a diversity of different perspectives and, and will help guard against what happened in the 90s, which is that they basically just did the same show over and over again and, and people stopped paying attention and the ideas got stale. Okay, so Notch, what, what are your thoughts? <clears throat> I, I really like yours, Bills, first of all. So I give you a performance review of continue doing all of that. <laughs> uh, but uh, back to Alex. Uh, I think what I want want him to start doing is to give us some more grit in our in our Star Trek. And when I say grit, it's it's difficult for Star Trek to do hard sci-fi, right? Like you need a certain amount of techno babble because of like the way the universe is built up, we can't get like the Martian in Star Trek. We just don't have enough settled science. But I want some some more grittiness, a little bit of a harder science edge. Uh think like Starship Troopers. Well, not not Starship Troopers. I think Starship Troopers are super campy, but like um the, I, I haven't watched The Expanse before now. What I understand, it tends to be pretty serious and gritty. Um, there was... There's a show that's on the tip of my tongue. Battlestar Galactica. Like, the, the early Battlestar Galactica. Kind of the... the, the Just the, the edge... I mean edge not in kind of the edgy way, but it just is a, it'll, it's a sharper show. Uh, I don't know, Bill, if I'm doing a good job of explaining what I want here, but I think I think something that that removes a lot of the camp and the humor and the low stakes, and just is about yeah. kind of uh, a harder, harder sci-fi, grittier sci-fi. Okay, stop with the kind of emotional overdose on very special themes. I'll give you an example of when they did this really well. We talked about this in the Strange New Worlds episode, but the uh, episode with Dr. Aspen, that was a, a, a trans actor playing a non-binary character. It played into uh, an existing character's dilemma with a binary question uh, really well. And I think the emotional payoff is very significant. And the 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 payoff in terms of kind of the values of Star Trek was very high as well. But it wasn't kind of this like very special kind of overemphasized emotionally 
uh, sugary thing, which I think television for in general has moved past. And so I'd like Star Trek to be able to kind of have a more deft touch with its with its activism, with its values, which are very important. And that's the other thing I was going to say is that this is this is not me saying stop doing that stuff because it's incredibly important. And I'm so happy Star Trek is working hard on representation and things like that. Just a little bit more of a deft touch when it comes to integrating it. What I want them to continue doing is trying things that annoy many fans. I think it's the same thing as you said, experimentation. But I think specifically here, we have such a passionate fan base that gets riled up into a frenzy. And I don't want that to be something that the creators of Star Trek fear. I want them to try things. If it doesn't work, all right, shelve it. But, but give it a shot, right? Like how many people might have said that like bringing Captain Pike back in Discovery? Like if you had told me, after finishing season one of Discovery, the next season we were gonna get Captain Pike back and he was gonna take over Discovery for a season. I would have been like, what, are you crazy? No, let Saru have it or whatever. You know, like, I'm sure I'd have some some opinion. And I'm glad they did it. It's given us the best Star Trek in a long time. So, so keep trying things, even if you think it might annoy fans, continue doing that. Yeah, yeah, super good points across the board. And I, so um, the first point you made about uh, a gritty sci-fi series and trying something a little bit more, just a little bit sharper, maybe more adult. I mean, it's ironic because um, Deep Space Nine was really the pioneer for kind of darker political uh, sci-fi, which, yeah. you know, and then Ronald D. Moore went and did BSG. And then that was the template for like a decade. And I think we're probably just coming out behind BSG's shadow in terms of like sci-fi television. Um, but really, I mean, you can you can kind of trace the genealogy directly back to DS9. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, and but, it, but, it had that like more somber, serious tone, right? Yeah. Like you weren't yeah. sure if everything was going to be okay at the end. Um, and that was that was good. I like that. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, okay, so now we're going to uh, do a more kind of in-depth discussion about some key themes across the different shows that we've observed over the past five years. So first, just a few uh, areas of positive feedback. And we're not going to like spend a lot of time discussing these, I don't think, because they're pretty self-evident. But just want to acknowledge that there's been a lot of really good work done. So uh, I think the acting has um, pretty much uniformly been really good. Um Discovery has like great actors. Uh, I think they don't always have the best material to work with, <laughs> but they right, do a great right. job. Um, the only I think in Picard there were a few weak spots, but aside from that, I think the acting has just been stellar. Yeah, um, I really can't yeah. call out like if you had to like ask me to identify an actor that I wouldn't want to have on Star Trek or would want to have recast or something, I would have trouble coming up with that. Like there have been individual performances and in individual episodes where I might have a gripe or two, but there's so many things that influence people on the day. So yeah, hundred percent agreed. I think Star Trek, even just going straight back to TNG, has had brilliant acting. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I think the the production values have just been amazing. Um, and the, uh, similar to what I said about Marvel, the extent to which Star Trek on television should aspire to be cinematic, I think is actually a pretty complex and delicate issue when you look at it closely. And I don't, I don't know if it's always good for it to try to be cinematic, mm. but in terms of the uh, production values and the CGI and everything, like, yeah, and, and they're crushing it. Um, uh, yeah, I, th I think that the, the 
you know, uh, VFX team or whatever you call it has just done an amazing job. I think it's also um, the one maybe gripe I'll have with production values, which I kind of understand why they do it, is that every show has its own uniforms. And uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of getting a little bit of uniform fatigue, but that thing that's just very personal. I don't even think that's a real gripe. I'll say that even some of the, I mean, the all of the different uniforms have been gorgeous looking for the most part. Uh, so, so, but there is a little bit of fragmentation occurring there that I want them to just bring back. Um, what I will also say is that it's it's been beautiful to see the different bridges, the different corridors. It really, Star Trek has, has really nailed the look of the Star Trek vessel um, throughout. Yeah. Uh, and I really enjoyed watching that. Yeah, yeah, the sets have, have been awesome. and But you're totally right about the uniforms. And even in Discovery, like, was it like the end of season three or something? They the all get the new again. uniform. Then, but then in the episode one, they're like, oh, those uniforms are actually not that good. We'll just make them different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they go from instead of the gray, they have them like actually like in color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, so this last point I, I already made, just that um, the variety of shows I think has been really refreshing. And if you know, I think it's unlikely that um, you know your average viewer is going to resonate with all of them, but that's okay. That's kind of the point. And and I mean, here's here's the question on that though. Like you know, right now we have more Star Treks with shorter seasons, and I think that's a good format than having fewer yeah. Star Treks with longer seasons. You know, yeah. I, I like 10 seasons of, um, or not 10 seasons, <laughs> 10 episodes of Strange New Worlds, followed by 10 episodes of Lower Decks, followed by 10 episodes of Project. It, it, it keeps things fresh, and I'm sure it refreshes the characters and the writers and, and lets them kind of uh, come up with better ideas and forcing them to come up with filler episodes of the same characters. Yeah, yeah. Um, totally agree. Uh, yeah, and. I mean, yeah, it's just a totally different paradigm for how television is made. And I, th and I think yeah. they've gotten that mix right. You know, there is a kind of purist type of fan who, and I'm being literal here. This isn't like a, uh, this isn't hyperbole. There is a archetype of fan whose um, favorite Star Trek show would just be one in which all the characters from the 90s shows somehow are all in it. And they're all like on the same ship and like Picard is the captain and Janeway is the first or whatever, you know, and it's just like a giant reunion and they just like basically redo plot lines from TNG and that, you know, mm -hmm. um, and there's 25 episodes or whatever. And that, you know, I, if, you know, for that type of fan, I don't know, I don't know what to say to them. Right. I mean, that's just never going to happen. Right. And, and, you know, so well, I, you're and, you're making a TV show. If you make that, you're making a TV show for an audience of ten. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't. I don't think like that. That's not going to have mainstream appeal. No. No. And that type of fan, because they're not getting that, is is just going to whine a lot about <laughs> about whatever whatever's you know whatever's being made. And I do think a lot of the crit criticism is not is not fair. It's like you know it's um just really like t taking on a job like this is just really putting yourself at risk and <laughs> well also i mean l let's be honest here not everything is going to work right yeah you, you you there there are ideas that sound great on paper they even get to the production phase and then it just falls apart um you you can't 
I would rather our show creators are able to try things like you're saying with the experimentation thing. They're able to try things, figure out what works and keep it on the screen rather than being terrified of, of you know, the, the fan reaction. This is exactly why I said that. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm very happy for them to keep trying things. At the same time, I'll, I will measure, give, give, give maybe the other side of this is it would be nice to see a one-off Voyager episode where they deal with what happens with Jane. Like a one-off special, fan service special. I'm 100% in on that, man. That idea. Like one, give me one hour of Janeway just visiting all of the Voyager crew in their houses and saying hi. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think there's room for that too. I mean, in... Like in some ways, I think they've been kind of ham-handed with the fan service, but I think in other ways they've uh, been pretty restrained about it. So you know, maybe there's right. more room for fan service in, in certain ways. You know. Um, sure. Okay, so the next issue that I want to pick apart, and I think this is the biggest and most important issue, is how uh, the new Star Trek shows have approached uh, episodicism. I did not get a spell check error for that word. You know, it's like taking like a noun and turning it into a verb and then back into a noun. Is, is that like, is, I believe that's the fifth uh, ancient Greek philosophy with Stoicism, Epicureanism, Platonism, <laughs> Episodicism. <laughs> so um, so uh, who, who is like the ancient Greek, Greek master of that? Episodis. <laughs> <laughs> He lived uh, from between 500 BC and uh, 550 BC. Although he made a return in a one-off special in like uh, 300 BC. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Yeah. Brilliant. There we go. Um, so yeah, episodicism slash serialization. And I have a pretty like clear take on this one. And it's been really informed by watching Strange New Worlds, which to my mm -hmm. mind was a pretty unqualified success. So um, leading up to Strange New Worlds, if you, you know, uh, were checking out an interview with Akiva Goldsman or whoever, they would describe it as being episodic. And maybe they would say, oh, it's like episodic with some uh, character serialization, right? Meaning that they mm -hmm. don't just kind of reset back to zero after the episode happens. And I actually found there it to be more episodic than that there were plot points that definitely continued throughout the series case in point the finale is kind of you know providing some uh some payoff for stuff that was teed up way back in discovery right with actually that was teed up way back in the original pilot right or the menagerie right with yeah. with pike's um pike's ultimate fate so there were definitely plot lines that carry through there there are more subtle mm -hmm. for sure um, and and that just really resonated. Notch, I think you want to jump in. No, 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 no. This is just the way I sit with my finger on my uh, goatee patch. <laughs> uh, that's uh, the thing what Bill was responding to. But but I do have a point here, which is I think this is the balance that Voyager missed, right? Like, and of course, Alex wasn't in charge of that. This is feedback for from our last performance review that we did for Star Trek, head of Star Trek. Uh, it didn't go so well for him. So watch out, Alex. Last time we got Enterprise canceled. Uh, but, um, anyway, I uh, I think that Voyager was so focused on being episodic that they didn't carry forward any large themes at all. Yeah. Um, and we we had some character like feelings carried forward, but it was it, it was so loose episode to episode that I think it just kind of it fragmented into 
each individual episode being its own compressed storyline which yeah, i don't yeah. like i think strange new worlds to me hits the mark really well because it the core problem week to week isn't something that's caused by like an overarching storyline or anything like that like in discovery the you know the casino episode really speaking kind of can sit on its own right like you don't need to know what's happening the rest of the season to i uh, use this word very loosely appreciate the casino episode and you can you can like understand but the reason that discovery and her crew are there and like everything is happening is because of the like season long arc whereas in strange new worlds the reason that uh the quality of mercy happens isn't like okay maybe that's a bad example because it's like bikes kind of character arc that gets them there but you know for example the the magellus episode um or or the comet episode it happens because of something that happens within that episode and isn't tied to some larger theme now characters might learn from that episode's events and become and have some sort of overarching arc for like for example that episode uh changed uhura's trajectory a little bit and that's a season-long arc but yeah yeah there's this there's this mix up where we don't or, or it's mixed up a little bit where the 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 problem is more self-contained even though the characters might have a longer arc that gets influenced by those individual problems that makes sense yeah 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 it makes complete sense um so yeah there you know what you said about voyager i mean they're never going to be able to go all the way back to that right but strange new worlds i think it really hits the sweet spot and if like voyager is a zero or a yeah. one and just and uh, discovery is a 10 and strange new worlds is a four let's say i think I, I think you know if they do a if they replace discovery let's say i think it should be like a six or a seven i, I actually don't think the tens are working and now having said that i actually think that the way they have serialized discovery and picard is pretty i think it, well first of all i think it's heavily influenced by marvel yeah. and the desire to be like a 10 episode movie and i think it does not work so they i can just imagine they you know they get in the writer's room they're planning out a new season and they very clearly they're like okay like there's some like impetus in episode one that like gets things started right and it just kind of launches the rest of the season on this kind of ballistic mm-hmm. trajectory which culminates in a really uh kind of literal way in the finale so and and actually and and so just one one quick point and actually between seasons there's very little connective tissue right right it's actually you know across seasons it's pretty like episodic i'm doing i'm doing air quotes <clears throat> notch what were you gonna say oh i i all i was gonna say is that it is difficult to carry out that season long arc like we saw that you know bcg bcg bsg uh did it successfully for a couple of seasons but then even it started to fail you have um the the uh, mandalorian is very similar to strange new worlds on the other hand where they do have this kind of larger storyline that mando and grogu are going through but again the problem every week is somewhat self-contained right and I think it's it's so it's it's a, to me it's becoming a winning formula even outside of Star Trek. So I, I think it would be very wise for Star Trek to learn from that and to kind of use that. 
Although at the same time, you know, when I talk about that gritty, harder, sharper sci-fi, I think that sometimes does need a larger storyline and it requires talented actors to make it work and really plot that out. So, so I'm not fully opposed. Maybe I could use like, you know, in your scale of eight, nine and 10, I could, I could use another 10 if it's executed well. I think the execution has been the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think like with Picard, for example, I mean, I think they really want it to be like a 10 hour movie. They've referred to it that way. And I think there just hasn't been enough content actually. I mean, it's hard to write a 10 hour movie, right? I mean, maybe you can do a six hour movie, right? But, and I think both seasons of Picard would have really benefited if they had just been six episodes, but they put in like, they get like a 10 episode order and then they have to fill it up. Um, I, so I, you know, if you you go back to like the nineties and think about like kind of the golden age of television that we're in right now, right? It like used to all be like episodic or like kind of crappy sitcoms or whatever. And then, and then, I mean, there was Twin Peaks, but then it was really like the Sopranos, right? That kind of launched like the new age of television. And there was the wire um, and whatever else has, you know, happened in the past 20 years. But, um, and, and so those shows are all serialized. But when you think about examples like that or other like really conspicuous examples like Game of Thrones or Breaking Bad or even Lost, they do not have these like super crisp linear plot lines that yeah. like start in episode one and conclude in the in the last episode of the season. I mean, there is a climax, mm-hmm. right? There is like the finale is a big deal and lots of stuff happens and there's, you know, stuff gets paid off and there's resolution hopefully. But, but um, in the middle of that, there's just it's just like a lot more like intertwining there's a lot more plot entropy maybe some more kind of minor character drama um and but i mean minor in a good way kind of like more real character drama like there's a lot of that in lost for sure and game of thrones um Mm -hmm. yeah so i think there's just something that's a little bit more 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 textured and more complex and and meandering and less linear agreed Agreed. 100% agreed. Okay. All right. So now that we've solved the um, episodicism <laughs> problem, uh, do you want to talk about characters? <clears throat> yeah. So I think it's it's difficult, right? Because I think really when we're talking about character issues, I think we're talking about discovery, right? Like, because uh, to my mind, Lower Decks, Prodigy, Strange New Worlds have really nailed the characterization. Strange New Worlds especially. I mean, gosh, I, I, I thought everybody on the Strange New Worlds, your Enterprise crew, all knew each other. Their connections are so easy to, to make. And so the, it, the ship felt very lived in. Yeah. And this is, it's really weird considering that, you know, we only had 10 episodes and a character like Dupring showed up in episode one out of nowhere. Um, I remember when I saw the announcement that they were going to bring her back, I was like, oh, what? A TOS yeah. character? That sounds a little weird. And then it was like, oh, wow, this is supernatural. It's it's working out really well. So the problem really, I think, comes in with Discovery, where we're having trouble with something. And I've tried to understand what that is. I think, number one, there just seems to be this weird hesitance when it comes to the supporting characters uh, of the show. And when I say that, I mean that this is like the folks outside of Culber, Burnham, Saru. Um, 
there just seems to be kind of this uh, and Samets of course Samets is also well characterized there but like all the other characters who are a lot of the bridge crew there just seems to be this hesitance in giving them an episode that focuses on them giving them a lot of lines and helping us really learn where we find out you know for example one of the characters comes up like literally there was a character in Discovery who came up during an episode and was like yeah I was I I lived in this place on Earth and it had a lot of storms and like you you he gives like a burst of exposition about his life and then you never reference that again uh, and it's just kind of yeah. out of place so that I think hasn't worked for me I think Star Trek does best when we have kind of at least you know a a a, a sharp separation between kind of our regulars and our non regulars and the bridge crew have to be regulars I think yeah yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, even even Barkley got like two episodes, right? I mean, they gave Barkley two episodes, and that right, know, uh, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And I I think I think just just one last point maybe that that you can tee off of, which is I think helping us get those character focused episodes helps us build an emotional connection to them. Even something as simple as George Kirk uh, shouting at Spock in the uh, episode that was the aliens homage um that really gave me a little bit more of an appreciation for george kirk you know to, to have him kind of take center stage for a minute so um that's another reason i think it's important yeah 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 i think it it does relate to the previous discussion about plotting and storylines because like so my my uh complaint about trying to not be marvel i actually to their credit i think they're trying to not copy Marvel exactly. And what I mean when I say that is like you, it cannot just be like a bad guy that they have to beat basically. Right. And I think they get that. Like it can't, you know, it can't be something that's totally remote, emotionally removed from all the characters, right? It has to be something that matters to them and something mm -hmm. that's like personal and has emotional, like an emotional arc, right. An emotional resolution and stuff that pays off. And I think they get that, right? Because you can clearly see them trying to do it, right? So like in Picard, both seasons, like so in, in season one, they're like, oh, you know, there's this friendship with Data and like Data really matters to Picard. And so we should try to make it personal and, and try to tie it into the plot that way. And, and I can't articulate why, but it really didn't work. And then in the second season of Picard, I mean, similarly, they're, they're, they gave Picard this like pretty rich backstory about like his childhood and stuff. And because they're like, yeah, I mean, it has to matter. It has to be like meaningful on a personal level. And it was an improvement, but it still was like, it felt kind of like pasted on after the fact or like, like they're like, oh yeah, we have to have character stuff. So we'll just like add it on top. Um, and then in, in the last season of Discovery, you know, with, um, this is what they're trying to do with, blowing up Quajon, right, is to, like, make right. it matter f to book, right, to kind of get book, it, you know, involved emotionally and, and adds a lot of, like, emotional resonance for book and the storyline throughout the season, which it did. I mean, book is, like, you know, uh, on an emotional journey throughout the season, but, it, again, it just, like, doesn't, it feels pretty artificial. It, like, and, and I mean, it, it's kind of self-evident why, they blew up his planet, right? Yeah. How much subtlety, right? I mean, it's like, the, it's like, oh, what? Like, Notch, can you relate to that? You know, <laughs> um, you know. So, I, yeah, I, I, I think they get that. They're making attempts to kind of 
bring in more kind of meaningful emotional stuff, but something about it is just not always clicking. Well, I think sometimes they write themselves into a little bit of a corner. Um, you know, this is, of course, not necessarily the current Star Trek runner's fault, but in Discovery, you know, they made Giorgio into kind of this like completely irredeemable, uh, you know, eats. Uh, uh, like is a cannibal and and so like like <laughs> yeah. the, the, you know burnham's backstory as this kind of traitor like there's just these little things where they they kind of go for i think shock and awe much like you said with destroying quajon where i think a, a, a subtler touch would allow for more versatility in in the future of that character and it doesn't kind of that one thing doesn't stick with them for the next like 15 seasons or whatever right like it, it it is it is an element on their journey rather than being kind of this like show-stopping bullet point on their resume um yeah. so so it, it's kind of that that would be my kind of take on this particular uh piece that you're talking about um say much like you know rios choosing to stay behind uh on on earth even though i didn't really have a problem with it but like that's it he's gone now rather than like there being maybe a more subtle way of like uh giving that character some development by maybe like having him have to have a tearful goodbye to the woman he loves and like then we can explore what like like that loss meant to him in the following season you know like it's uh i, I think i think a, a slightly lighter touch would be good with the yeah. emotional elements in the characterization yeah yeah I just watched the finale to um, Dark Winds, which is like a mini series about uh, the Navajo police. It's like a you know a mystery show on um, I don't know mm -hmm. I, I forget on what channel. <laughs> it was really good. I really liked it. And the the finale, there's like such good emotional payoff. It was so artfully done, and you really kind of feel what the main character is feeling. And um, I just have not really. Season two of Picard did that for me a little bit in some instances, but but um, anyway, I, I think that's something they struggle with. So um, <clears throat> moving on, uh, mm -hmm. Notch, do you have any thoughts about dialogue and kind of the writing? Yeah, this one's a lot harder because I think this one touches on the, the talents of the writers. And I, I want to start by just saying thank you to all the people who write Star Trek and and make their lives work into giving us a franchise we love. Know that everything I'm about to say comes from an amateur critic who appreciates <laughs> Star Trek for what it is. And again, um, I, I want you to try your best and give an, an experiment. So this is not me kind of... This is basically coming from a place of appreciation and a growth mindset. Let's put it that way. Um, for me, I think this has been the biggest difference between all of our new Trek shows. And this is like Strange New Worlds to me is the strongest. Prodigy is the second strongest. Then we've got Lower Decks, Picard, and then Discovery is a long, long ways out. The other thing is dialogue isn't just a, um, a self-contained box because the dialogue is reflected. The, sto the dialogue that is on the page reflects the clarity of the storyline that the writer has written and how much faith the writers and the producers have in the audience, right? And the actors to convey what is in the dialogue in a way that isn't said explicitly. 
I think the best writers in Star Trek are the ones who are able to give us complicated emotional emotional payoffs without large pieces of exposition and are able to give us um, meaningful plot lines with, with twists and turns that, again, don't require our actors to spell them out on the screen. Um, and, and where I think Discovery fails this test significantly, consistently. Um, where we have tons and tons of exposition, you know, the therapy scenes that we keep joking about, they're not really therapy scenes, it's characters just unloading their problems onto each other and basically that's the exposition. Uh, we, we should have more what's in Strange New Worlds, where, you know, like the whole bike dealing with his future thing, that's a very Discovery-style element, right? Like, you know, this yeah. horrible thing is going to happen. But you see the different ways in which the two sets of writers have dealt with it, it really didn't come off as kind of heavy on the uh, Strange New World side. Whereas every time Book was talking about Quijan in, in Discovery, I was just like, oh my God, put a lid in it, dude. Like, I get it. Uh, your, your planet died. Cool, man. Uh, just because of how heavy-handed the dialogue was in that and, and how little they allowed David Ajala to really act rather than say his feelings is that like does that resonate bill is that is that something yeah. that you that, that yeah, for you sure feel? for sure yeah show show don't tell right <laughs> i mean of right. course sometimes you need some exposition right of course but um yeah it, it can be pretty laid on pretty thick sometimes and, and it's um, it's tough trying yeah. to tell with the gray areas yeah 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 mate you know i <laughs> As you suggest, I mean, we definitely need to have some humility here as armchair critics. Um, you know, I don't know what it's like to be a writer. It may be really hard to anticipate how how something will actually turn out once it's, you know, delivered and been filmed and whatever. But um, I, the only thing I would add is that I think s there are also some lines, mostly in Discovery, that are just like really corny. I mean, they're yeah. like, yes, go science. Or like, you know, <laughs> I mean... You know, Star Trek is supposed to be a celebration of science. That's cool, but like, you don't need to just well, that, say that's, it that's, that way. <laughs> that, that's Tilly in the in the first episode where Pike shows up at the very end. Of the day, yes, that's the power of science, people, and she literally like claps. Yes, if I recall yeah. correctly. It's yeah, like, oh, yeah. come on, man, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, and uh, so last uh, last point in our deep dive section: uh, world and universe building. So, Notch, I'll pass this one to you first. Yeah, thanks, Bill. Um, this is another thing that I think is... It's difficult to achieve successfully. I think this is a problem for movies, video games, TV, um, across the board, books. I enjoy creative contexts that can give us a world that feels large and lived in. Um, rather than small. A great example of this not needing to stress budgets was TNG or even Voyager sometimes where we saw like one room on a planet and you just assumed that there was another entire society out there of people. Like it, it felt like we were that our starship was stopping by a very large world and we were just seeing a slice of, of that area rather than 
like the Starfleet Academy and Discovery, for example. It was just so small. They were in this like nondescript room without any details. It just felt like little. And you were like, this is Starfleet Academy? Like this is like, if you're, and if you're going to make that creative choice, like acknowledge it. Be like, this is a very small class. I know that this is like nothing like the Starfleet Academy that, you know, uh, used to, you know, like say something about it if you're going to make a, explicit choice to make it little but otherwise it just feels like kind of small and it's obvious that you're trying to save like production dollars let's put it that way uh or that's my assumption yeah yeah i think uh discovery feels kind of claustrophobic sometimes and especially the for me the uh 29th century universe and i, I guess it you know in season three it was kind of supposed to right because they don't really have warp drive but um there's a lot more Kind of richness they could add i thought picard in actually in season one with the romulans did a really good job um kind of fleshing out the romulans in a way that hadn't been done before i just still remember right. the detail about them having the fake door on the front of the house and the you know uh mm-hmm. but yeah it's it's something they could they could do better for sure and that's a great example mm-hmm. of where like they had you know your typical western set but they managed to like really kind of do something very special about it connected to something else within the star trek universe and so it made it seem large because of that yeah i'll give you another example by the way which is the post burn landscape where there's so much of cool complexity and world building to explore there and instead we got that funny scene in the butterfly planet you know those like weird butterfly people as the first scene back yeah uh after after the season break and i feel like those choices can sometimes make our universe feel less complex smaller i don't like them yeah yeah no i agree okay uh so um let's move on to the the last segment here um so uh, having kind of spilled our guts in terms of all of our, <laughs> all of our grievances, <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe now we can, uh, you know, uh, switch to a more kind of, uh, positive forward looking tone and just dream about like things that we'd like to see that would be really fun to, um, to do with Star Trek and we can dream big. I mean, we, we're in a position to ask right. Alex for anything we want. So, <laughs> all so right. what's on your wish list, Notch? Ah, <clears throat> oh, my wish list. I want them to redo Discovery. Uh, not Discovery. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was on my list too. <laughs> yeah, right? No, Voyager. I want them to redo Voyager. And I know that, that reboots are difficult. So I don't know if I want like a full reboot with the same characters or if I want... I, I just... That format has so much potential. You know, a Starfleet vessel thrown all these millions of light years away. And I know Discovery season... Uh, season three was some kind of supposed to be that, um, you know, with the burn. But I feel like we didn't really get. I I don't know. I didn't like it as much. I guess so. I want them to do just the same. Like maybe this time the ship can be thrown into the beta quadrant, and we can get uh, get that. Uh, I I would really really like that. Um, I also, and this is just. I want a South Asian, like an actual South Asian main character or captain hmm. uh, with a South Asian name, please, if you've listened to previous yeah, episodes yeah. of this podcast. I don't know why we haven't got one yet, uh, 
but I think it's time. Yeah, yeah. That is a, a weird thing they do where they give people of color white names or like Giorgio, like she has a, I don't know. I mean, is the idea that it's like, oh, it's like post-racial and nothing matters anymore, but it's it's just kind of kind of weird. And like, you why know, does everybody I, have a white name? Yeah, <laughs> ca- like Captain Robal, played by a Pakistani actor in Star Trek 2009. It just keeps happening. And I'm just like, can I just get one, like, I don't know, just go obvious. Captain Singh. Like, just give me that. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> like, something yeah. like that. Like, you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In, the, in Discovery, the Asian dude on the bridge, is it Reese? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, and and it's, it's just representation, right? Like, it's not about, yeah. like, being stereotypical. It's about representation. Like, I feel like it's, again, I don't, I don't want every character, like, we don't need this to be, like, some sort of rubric, but how about, like, most? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so I have, I have a few things on my list. I'm going to go from most trivial to, to, like, boldest. Okay. Okay. And some of these we've talked on before previously in the pod. So, uh, Lorca. Yeah, bring back Lorca, dude, for Strange New Worlds. Give him, you know, he's going to need probably a two-parter to make it worth it for him, something that's really good. Give it to him. That would be awesome. Yeah. Um, also, for Strange New Worlds, to bring, bring back either Phlox or T'Pol at some point. It doesn't need to be in the same episode. They probably don't need a two-parter, but make it good. Make it worth their while. I'd love to see that. Um, okay. For the next series, I don't really want to see a Tilly Academy series, sorry. I don't really <laughs> want to see a Giorgio Section 31 series. I mean, I'm going to watch all this stuff. You know, I'm going to watch anything yeah, like, they right, make, yeah. you know. But I, I'm not that enthusiastic about it. Um, my, you know, the thing I'd love to see is like a, a Rios and Seven show where they, they could just be on the Stargazer and... You know, whatever. Just find out some interesting stuff for them to do. You can, I, you know, I think it would be really interesting to see what's happening in the Gamma Quadrant after the war mm-hmm. with the Dominion. Like, what what do they do with the Gem Hadar? This could be an awesome storyline because, like, they're like, you know, engineered to be like slaves, basically, right? They're addicted to Ketrasol mm-hmm. White, right? So, do you just keep and like? I don't think they can reproduce on their own, right? So, like, do you, do you basically? passively commit genocide by stopping giving them like drugs basically and like cloning them or or do you like genetically engineer them to not be dependent on that and then it's like playing god or you know i I don't know so anyway lots of interesting stuff could be happening in kind of the ashes of the dominion so maybe they can go there you know captain just have the time cops bring him back i don't give a shit i'm totally okay with fig leaves in terms yeah. of like for the, for the Gorn, I guess they're not supposed to know about the Gorn yet. Just say like, Oh, it's classified. Fine. I'm totally fine with that. You know, I don't need some big explanation. So have the time cops bring back Rio seven can be the first officer. If they, if you can have Rafi in it or not, I don't really care. Um, <laughs> okay. And then big, here's my big wish list item. Dude, give Ronald B. Moore a show. Bring okay. him back. Let him do whatever he wants. That's probably too many, like, big shots. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, he's, you know, I don't know, you know, he's a he's a pretty high-profile um, showrunner. But, yeah, I mean, if they could bring him in, i just totally give him carte blanche to do whatever he wanted. Uh, I think that would be awesome. As long as they take the last episode away from him and finish the series <laughs> in a better way. 
That's all I want. Um, I, I thought of a few other ones, actually. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I want... This is not a joke. I want them to re like re go back to Enterprise. Like let's let's get the like literally bring back Scott Bakula and like a few of the existing Enterprise characters and let's 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 rejoin that part of the Star Trek universe. I actually like looking back at Enterprise. I really enjoy it now, like in a way that it's it's shocking actually. So I would love to see them kind of revisit that part of the 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 world um i think the tension between the makos and starfleet might be something to explore like that's just hinted at in star trek beyond um we could get some more of that i think that would be fun um i want a gritty show about the burn times uh mm. where i mean discovery is kind of like put starfleet it's it's made it difficult for that based on how they've molded the burn universe but i think there's still some kind of tough stuff maybe maybe the disintegration of starfleet slow disintegration of starfleet that's something that like in, in the immediate aftermath of the burn occurring maybe that's something that we that we see um that might be a fun one i also think we need a star trek show that is klingon focused mm-hmm uh, I think I think that could be something where maybe we have a Starfleet officer assigned on an exchange assignment to a Klingon vessel. So this is like that episode from DS9 where Worf and Jadzia are on, except it's an entire series. Yeah. So I think that could be fun too. So yeah. So that's yeah. my wish list. Are, are they Discovery Klingons? Uh, I don't know. As long as they aren't eating the Starfleet captains, I'm okay with whatever. <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah. All right. Yeah, I love it. Um, so, uh, we can wrap up now, I think, uh, with our ratings. So <laughs> in totality, what are we, we going to rate Bill? So, yeah, right. I, I mean, you made a good point a few minutes ago about, um, you know, the different series and really it has been an upward trajectory, right? The last three have all been awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and discovery is the weakest, right? Which is the oldest one and probably needs to, to not get renewed as you've said before. Um, hate to say it yeah yeah no you're right um so um i think i think i would give kurtzman pretty good marks i think he's done a pretty a, a pretty good job and it's a really challenging job to do for sure impossible to keep everyone happy right there are always going to be fans that are that are upset um and it seems apparently to be successful as a business, which is important because I want to. I want yeah. them to keep making Star Trek, right? I, I right. want Paramount, Paramount to make money off of it, right? I hope it's a, a profitable um, property for them. So um, I, w- I think I would give him a seven or eight, something like that. So we, we, my employer, we have potential versus performance. We have two axes that we rate. Yeah, on. yeah, and. I think that takes, for me, the question is always, and if you've heard other episodes of this podcast, you've heard me talk about, like, should I evaluate this episode contextually based on the like this first season? Do we evaluate it contextually against how hard it is to, to write a first season, or do we evaluate it against just its content on its own? I think it's the same problem with Alex Kurtzman, which is, do we evaluate the the span of star trek shows just 
kind of saying, okay, let's just evaluate the content of these shows or do we evaluate it against where Star Trek was in 2008 where we were like, is there ever going to be any new Star Trek little right, multiple right. series, right? Yes. Um, even after the, the reboot movies, there were some glimmers of hope about a show that became Discovery, but even after the first season of Discovery, you could never have imagined this world that we're in today with like five different series going on concurrently. It's crazy, yeah. right? Yeah. So I think... In terms of performance, I would go with a. I think you're you're right on the money. I would go with a, with a seven and a half, where yeah. it's I think being dragged down like a point just by discovery, <laughs> and I think I think I think like if Picard maybe is kind of like seven ish, I think Lower Decks, Prodigy, and Strange New Worlds, I would give like a nine. So like, you know, that, that's just the contextual thing. But I think in terms of potential, that's a 10, right? Like the trajectory, like you're saying, is so excellent from where we've come from to build this in a business sense to give us better shows with every single new one that we've launched. That's amazing. So 100% 10 on potential. Uh, I yeah. think I, I'm very, I continue to be very excited about Star Trek. I have my complaints, of course, but I think generally speaking, I'm a very satisfied fan of this franchise. And that's yeah, due to Alex Kurtzman and his many uh, minions. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, we're so lucky as Star Trek fans. I can remember. I So I just got into Star Trek when Enterprise was on like season three or four. And so, you know, there was that, you know, 15 year desert, right? Where they, there were just those few movies that came out. And now we have this wealth of Star Trek. It's really like, would have seemed unbelievable back then. <clears throat> Seriously, it's, it's, it is just mind boggling. Yeah. Well, okay. I, th I think that that's it, right, Bell? Is there anything more that we need to tell Alex Kurtzman? No, I, th I think we were pretty thorough. <laughs> I think he's got some clear direction now on where to go. So, uh, Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it, Alex. We will, We will. what is it uh, that uh, Palpatine tells Anakin? We shall follow your career with the great... <laughs> we're not Star Wars fans. What do we know? Right. That's a great job on your hair, buddy. Uh, nice, nice look. Uh, Alex Kurtzman's hair always looks great, I think, yes. in my opinion. All right. Well, Bill, uh, I feel like I, I should be thanking you. So I'm going to thank you for like putting this entire episode together. That was really well done. I, uh, I do hope Alex listens and thanks you as well. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you. It was a fun discussion. Absolutely. And uh, Emily, I hope you and your family feel better very soon. Uh, Adam, I hope you're enjoying your visit to our northern neighbor. Uh, Rudy, I hope your family is uh, uh, having a good time with you as well. Uh, and then also want to say thanks to you, dear listener, who uh, I bet there are people who aren't Alex Kurtzman who also listened in. Thanks for making the time for us. We always appreciate you adding us to your podcast rotation for the week. Uh, thank you, Jishnu Gua, for uh, recording our theme music. We always appreciate you strumming away at the guitar. And uh, special thanks this week to who should we do special thanks to bill um uh roberto orchi <laughs> fine do you remember special that guy? yeah yeah he was the technical <laughs> advisor right to star trek or something like that well he, he used to be kurtzman's like partner back in the day and they did a bunch of stuff together but then you know our you know each free agents now apparently so got it got it well <laughs> uh, i i appreciate i think the, the most memorable thing that i can contribute specifically to Roberto Orchi as an individual, is to help me pronounce the name Orchi. So thank you, Roberto. <laughs> Special thanks to you. All right, goodbye. Yeah.